I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Health News Radio. Tonight, we are doing a very special show. We have Dr. Paul Meyer on. Hey, Paul. How are you doing, Melanie? Hey, doing good, and thank you so much for bringing us this special guest tonight. His name is Grant Davis, and Grant is a psychiatric nurse practitioner at Meyer Clinic. So uh, Dr. Meyer knows Grant well, and we are going to talk about medication tonight. Always a popular topic, and um, we really hope to get some good information out there to our listeners so they can better understand um, exactly what medication does and doesn't do and benefits and all those types of things. So, Paul, why don't you get us started? Okay. Yeah, uh, for all of you in our listening family right now, we're not saying everybody needs medications um, because not everybody does. Uh, A majority of the people that come to our clinics nationwide for whatever problems they're working on don't get medications. But some, some people would fall apart without them. You know, 20% of the population inherits either severe depression or some form of anxiety, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder or other things that make them real uh, nervous. And, and uh, they can't, they'll never be able to function adequately without medication. So um, in, in, in anxiety is one of the easiest things for us as a psychiatrist or as a psychiatric nurse practitioner to help. I can get a, a new patient that comes in that's been having panic attacks for 20 straight years, and uh, maybe their doctor put them on a, a, an antidepressant that normally would help them and gives them 10 milligrams instead of the 40 that it normally needs or something. But you know they, they've tried things and nothing's working, and they they uh, they don't really believe me uh, when when they first come in and they have you know severe anxiety and panic attacks like that. When I tell them, well today's the last day that you'll have them. They think I'm kidding, you know, because I've been trying to get rid of them for 20 years. And I said, no, it depends on, and I tell them it depends, you know, I can load you up on stuff, they'll get rid of them immediately, and then we can back off, or it, or we can go slow and and, uh, and just uh, build things uh, build things up uh, gradually. And uh, uh, so uh, being a, 
a compassionate psychiatrist, I, I think of that uh, old um, kid's story, you know, where there's a, a lion in the street that's really mean. Everybody's scared because he's got a thorn in his paw. And this little six-year-old kid goes out there and pulls the thorn out. You know, then the lion's not mean anymore. So uh, when I see patients, I won't want to pull their thorns out. You know, I don't want them to hurt anymore. And it feels yeah. really good to have them come back a month later and say, hey, this is the best I ever felt. So, uh, and, and some people run, some people have, most people with anxiety have, you know, spiritual and emotional conflicts that they need to work on. And, uh, and, and some of them just want to get on meds and, and numb out and avoid working on them. And uh, then there's other people that have so much anxiety that they can't function and they can't do counseling because they just, you know, they, they, they're just too uptight to even do that. And so as a psychiatrist or as a nurse practitioner, what Grant and I need to do is figure out, you know, who needs meds, who doesn't, and do they want to go fast or go slow and, and what would be the best thing for them. There's some things we give them just for the first few weeks while the slower things that are better are building up. So I'm not going to go into any medications because uh, I want Grant. Grant's just brilliant. He he doesn't like me saying that publicly, so I'm, I, I apologize, Grant. But he's I'm supposed to be supervising him. You know, he's, he's a nurse practitioner at our clinic, and I'm supposed to be the boss supervising uh, him. And and uh, I knock on his door once or twice a week, getting his advice because he's just so good and and, and smart and compassionate. So thank well, you for coming to on today, Grant. Okay, yeah, absolutely, pleasure to be I'm, here. I'm done with my spiel. <laughs> That's my spiel, my opening spiel. I know we didn't even. I didn't even like Grant say hello or talk or anything. I apologize, Grant, but I no was so excited about no the show. Worries. I just jumped right yeah. in. So, yeah, give us your thoughts on what Dr. Meyer just said. Yeah, I think you know Dr. Meyer hit hit the nail on the head with that. I think that um, you know there. Uh, a lot of people that come through our, our um, clinic, especially here in Richardson, you know, some some will will end up in mine or um, Dr. Meyer's office, you know, talk, talking and discussing medicine. Some will will start with therapy, and and um, and that's all they'll need, and, and can really get some good improvement. But but often, what we'll, they may start with therapy, but we'll we'll get referrals from therapists that say, hey, I think you could really benefit from some medication. Um, one of the things I get specifically from Christians or even non-Christians is just a fear of, you know, is this medicine going to stunt or inhibit any type of processing that I would do in counseling? And, that's, you know, the medicines I would start somebody on, I'd say absolutely not. And, in fact, I think it's, it's going to help you to process some of these things you need to work through because we can be so emotionally wound up that it, it can be very hard for a therapist to get get past some of these things you just keep rehashing over and over and over again and and the medicine can really just help bring that down down a notch so that we can really get down to the deep deep stuff okay yeah let let me butt in here a second uh what you said just reminded me of something uh we've got a day program um as a lot of our listeners know where people come seven hours a day five days a week for three weeks and and we dig and probe and and do all the, the, you know, about six or eight months worth of counseling. Uh, but Grant is the, the doc in charge. He sees them every single day, each client, every single day to ask them, you know, you know, about whether they need meds or not, whether they're having side effects and all that sort of thing. And something Keith, Keith Coburn is Dr. Coburn runs the day program and something he, uh, I don't know if he's ever told you this, Grant, but he's told me several times. Uh, he says, now, now, Paul, 
when this new pa- when these new patients come in, don't relieve their anxiety so much they don't work on their problems. <laughs> you know, he knows I feel sorry for them, so I, you know I, I want to load them up so they don't have any anxiety and then sort of back off. That's sort of my natural tendency. But when they're coming in the day program, you don't want to you don't want to give them so much that they they just oh I feel wonderful I'm going home you know I'm not going to stay here at work. <laughs> so what you shared what you shared is you know remind me of that. And it's very, you know, very rare to, to you, it takes a lot of medicine to really get somebody where they just don't feel or care. And I think that is one of the big misconceptions or fears that a lot of people have when they've never been on any medication before at all. Is this, you know, they're going to start me on these, you know, that lovely term, quote unquote, antidepressant, um, this ha- quote unquote happy pill that's just going <laughs> to take all my cares away. And that's just not you know, what the medicines do and um, not right. how they work. And, you know, I try to explain to people, it's like, you know, you should still be able to get appropriately anxious about things you need to be anxious about. Anxiety is protective. It keeps you safe. But this excessive yeah. worry that you can't let things go and you think about something over and over and over for hours and you don't really get anywhere with it. And then that next day you're thinking, why did I waste two hours worrying about that? You know, it wasn't a big deal. It's what medicine kind of helps to do is it helps you to say this is not that big of a deal when rationally it's really not and and it can you know help you to be present with your family and your loved ones and to not sweat the small stuff mm-hmm. yeah so, um yeah i think paul you've said this on the show before that um you know uh, any type of medication you're going to be taking for a psychiatric um, disturbance is supposed to make you feel more like yourself. Um, yeah. And that's really what should happen. And if it doesn't, it probably means that it's just not the right drug for you. And I actually did an interview this morning with someone. I, it's so funny we're doing this show with you guys today because this particular interview had been booked out several months because um, – this doctor was releasing a book, but it was another interview about medication. So we'll have to try to not release those at the same time. But um, it's it just one of the things I, I think a lot of times people have an experience, a bad experience, a bad side effect the first couple of times they take medicine and then they're scared. They're already in this vulnerable position. Yeah. Then they take something and it makes them feel worse. And so then they're scared and they never want to try it again. And then sometimes just putting a pill in their mouth is enough to make them have a panic attack or be anxious so yeah. it really People is with OCD yeah it's really delicate I mean when I think about um, and and Dr. Meyer what you said about Grant I'm sure Grant does this too but I think so many psychiatrists just don't explain these things to their clients. This is 10 or 15 minute appointment. You don't even really know what you're doing. You're handed a script and you walk out and you're just not educated. And that to me is so dangerous. At least, you know, that initial appointment, they need to have an understanding of, of what to look for um, and maybe even helping them understand a little bit more about body awareness and and how how you're feeling after taking the drug so uh, yeah that's that's why we Mm -hmm. that's why we always uh we always do a a one-hour workup before we start seeing them for the 15-minute medicine checks yeah and i always do that i explain to them i i I tell them i say uh like if they really need an antidepressant and i'll say now this isn't a happy pill if you got 50 happy people and they took this they wouldn't be any happier um (laughs) it's not a happy pill but yeah. You you eat tryptophan in your diet and the 
B6 carries it in the brain. The brain turns it into serotonin. And serotonin gives you love, joy, peace, patience, and good sleep. It gives you the fruit of the spirit and good sleep. And uh, and then you got 100 billion brain cells, and you got little spaces between them called synapses. And then you have reuptake sites that suck up the old serotonin to replace it with the new. And all these, all this medicine does, it's a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. All that means is it blocks some of the drains so that the food that God's making in your brain and, and, and you're making by the foods that you eat, uh, the serotonin can accumulate instead of getting sucked out too fast. And so what you're like on the antidepressant is just you with a normal serotonin level like you would have had if you wouldn't have inherited these uh, suckers that are sucking up too much. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, when they come back and they say, boy, I've never felt this good before. I tell them, well, that's not and the antidepressant isn't making you feel falsely happy. This is the real you. This is what you're like on an antidepressant. And like uh, one of you said, uh, sometimes the antidepressant will have, uh, you know, 75% of the time it works fine and there's no yep. side effects and things. But sometimes, uh, you know, maybe with one out of 20 people or something like that, it'll numb them out where they just feel numb and they don't feel. They don't feel happy, sad, or anything. They just, you know, and if that happens, then then I switch to a different antidepressant because I want them to be themselves. Yes, I think that's so important to, to point out. <laughs> what do you think, Grant? Yes, absolutely. I tell people the same thing as if you feel numb, feel anything like that, that is absolutely a side effect, and I need to know about it because we will change it. That is definitely not the goal of treatment. But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of genetic variations in these psychiatric drugs. We, uh, Dr. Meyer tried, Dr. Meyer and her lovely nurse Lynn here in Richardson really try to talk a lot of our patients into getting a genetic testing thing done on the patients that come through our day hospital because there can be a lot of genetic variations in the way that we process these psychiatric drugs that can really, you know, in hindsight, it, it can make a lot of sense. It's like, oh, you know, I was on the X, Y, or Z drug and, oh, it just made me feel real numb and then we get that genetic testing and it's like ah this makes a lot of sense why you felt that way you don't you don't process this drug very well with your genes and it and it can make all the difference in the world but you know it's definitely definitely not the goal of treatment wow sure. so i think i i love the idea of genetic testing i think it can really it's you know it's that preventative medicine piece where you can understand how all sorts of medications would be best for you mm -hmm. so is that something you guys do pretty frequently grant at the clinics? Yeah, I think we do, well, probably maybe 80% of the people that come through our, our day hospital and then on the outpatient basis, which if there has been, um, you know, somebody has trialed multiple medicines that have not worked or we've gotten some weird adverse reactions with them, you know, I definitely encourage it. But, but like Dr. Meyer said, you know, on average, most people, you know, would do well, no, no, SSRI is better than another per se. It's just what fits best with your genes. And for all, most people, you know, there are a number of, we could have started with a number of them and they would have all worked just as well. So yeah, the pr we, one problem we have with the, the genetic testing is so new that uh, to, to, it costs about $4,000, you know, so oh, wow. uh, who, who can afford that, you know, but um, when people come in the day program, we, we've got a, we get a special deal with the uh, company that, that does it where even if insurance doesn't pay for it for them, for the ones that are in the day program, uh, the most that they would have to pay is 300 So if, they, if they're if they poor 
they might only have to pay twenty dollars for a four thousand dollar test, and, okay. and if they're if they're rich, they only have to pay three hundred. You know, so, <laughs> but but I, I, I'm not sure how it works for outpatients. But I don't usually get it for outpatients uh, unless, like like uh, Grant said, if if there's somebody that we've tried four or five different medicines on, and uh, th- then it, then it might be uh, good to get it. I what I tend to do is if they need an antidepressant. I usually start them on uh, Pristique, uh, Desphenylafaxine is the generic name, because uh, it passes all the genetic tests. It's the only one that, oh, that wow. nobody gets a bad score on. So, yeah. Wow. So I start them on that, you know, so they so may not need it. So that's a good one. So yeah. let me ask both of you this. If So obviously not everyone has the pleasure or does that need to come to a Maya, the, one of the Meyer clinics. So if, if – Yes, they do. Oh, come on, Paul. Not everyone. Not everyone. You wish, right? Everyone on the planet. Well, it would be great because I know it's a wonderful program. You really help people work through their issues. I'm teasing you. So, you know, someone, if an audience member is listening to the show and, I mean, is it, and they feel like they may suffer from depression or anxiety, would it be okay for them to go into their, say, general physician's office? Because I don't know how it is where you guys live, but in Virginia, to get an appointment with a psychiatrist is like a four-month wait. I'm not kidding. I've literally told some patients that I felt like were in such, you know, such a bad situation. I've told them to go to the emergency room because I knew they just couldn't wait that long to get an appointment. But a lot of times you can go to your general physician. So, you know, could someone just walk into their general physician's office and say, hey, I heard about um, Prestique on Mental Health News Radio. Dr. Paul Meyer said it was the best one. Um, is that can you something? order me some? Exactly. I mean, how, yeah. how well received do you think that will be? What do you think? I, I think it would be I think it would be uh, uh, no doctor likes being told what to do. I well, know. some doctors do. <laughs> I like being told what to do, but yeah. But uh, but a lot of doctors don't like being told what to do. But if if really if for most of them are most doctors are really nice people, and, and I think if somebody came in and, and said, uh, I heard about you know uh, Prestique on the radio, and I'm really depressed. Could I do you think it'd be okay for me to try that one? And the nice thing about that, you see, going to the family doctor for psychiatric treatment is not generally a good idea exactly because they 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 don't have enough training so they'll put you know if you put somebody with uh bipolar with bipolar and they don't know that they're bipolar because they don't even know what questions to ask them to see if they're bipolar or not if you put somebody with bipolar on a serotonin antidepressant you'll it'll make them worse and they'll have a manic episode um and uh um if they have a bipolar relative first degree relative then even if they don't have bipolar and you put them on an antidepressant, it probably won't work unless they add a, um, a, a, a mood stabilizer with it. So there's a lot of things that they don't know. So lots of times they'll they'll get lucky yeah. and uh, and guess right. But it's it's almost like uh, me going to me agreeing to do brain surgery to save somebody a lot of money. So, but but if you if like you said, they have, in some places they have to wait several months to get in to see it. Psychiatrist, I, I think I would go to a, a, a family doctor first um, if they can't get in to see a psychiatrist uh, and get on something. But if, if people will listen to our program today, uh, I want Grant to actually share the names of some meds that yeah, that, uh, that he thinks are really good. And, and those of you in our listening family can write these down and, and uh, maybe you might ask your doctor about 
about some of these, you know, if you need it. Yeah. You want me to just go ahead and do that now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I definitely agree with Dr. Meyer. Uh, Pristique or desvenlafaxine, it's the, the same drug, um, just one's the generic name. It's a fantastic medication for anxiety. Um, I think it's FDA approval is, you know, they only did the billion-dollar study to get the FDA approval for major depression, but, but it is first-line therapy for panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, you know, your, your, all your, your typical anxiety disorders. Um, so and, and what's the disadvantage? What's the disadvantage of it, uh, Grant, for oh, people to, so, so they won't, yeah, so they won't uh, have unrealistic expectations. I mean, it works oh, great, but yes. how, you know, how long does it take to work great? <laughs> Some of those, you know, they can take, they can take the, anything. Will say, hey, it takes about four to six weeks. Yeah. Anytime I start a new medicine with anybody, I have them come back in two, and I and I do that. Have them come back in two weeks because I want them to. Uh, make sure they're tolerating the drug, they're not having any side effects, that, that everything is going well, and that they're having what's called a partial response. Yeah. Uh, and I tell people, hey, you're not going to come back in two weeks and say, oh, my gosh, this Pristique is the greatest drug ever. Thank you so much. Yeah. cured all my anxiety. But in two weeks, I do hope that somebody will come back and say, you know what, I feel a little bit better. Yeah, they I, usually I, get I'm, like 20% 20, 20 better each week, yeah. which means that at the end of five weeks, most people are going to be a hundred percent better, you know, but, exactly. but yeah. the, the disadvantage is, is that I, and I explained to them, you may take this a week or two and think, oh, you know, this, this medicine that Grant's given me isn't doing any good, you know, but yes. I, and we tell them, be patient. It will be patient. And, and I explain that too, specifically when they have a lot of um, anxiety about, Oh, what, you know, is this medicine going to change me? Am I going to be a different person? And it's like, you know, Hey, here's the great thing. After a week of taking this medicine, I want you to be like, man, I don't know what Grant's talking about. Hey, fantastic. It yeah. hasn't changed you as a, per as a person at all. You're still you. But what you're going to notice as the drug starts to kick in and make those neurochemical changes is that the anxiety is going to really lessen. And you're going to notice you're not worrying about things anymore. Oh, wow, I haven't had a panic attack in a couple of weeks. Wow. Oh, wow, I haven't even thought about it. When the absence of anxiety, you're often you're just living life. You're not thinking about all these worries or fears. You're just, you know, li living your life like, like you, you would your normal self. No, Grant, do you, do you give them something, uh, do, the first day there, do you give them something um, uh, that'll work uh, right away while they're waiting, like like nope. a, a benzodiazepine or something else? Yep. I know you don't like to use benzos. I like to use them. I like to use yeah. them the first uh the first few weeks until until the other things build up. Yes, it depends on what the what the anxiety disorder is. If it's panic disorder and they're having panic attacks daily, yes, absolutely, I will give them um, either um, a, a benzo like a clonazepam, or I I like to use a medicine called propranolol, which is a beta blocker, which it blocks adrenaline and actually blocks the the physical causes of the anxiety. It's a blood pressure medicine, Melanie. It's an old blood pressure medicine. Yes, yes yeah. I know. I actually took that because I have um, the essential tremor or postural tremor, and yes. it was supposed yes. to help with that, but I already mm -hmm. have low blood pressure as it is. Uh, so very it, hard to tolerate. Yeah, I could. I yeah. oh, it made me feel horrible. My blood pressure yeah. got too low, but I, I know what that is. I think it's a really, um, it's used for so many different things. Hmm? got a lot of uses. It's very good for um, anxiety associated with, with trauma mm -hmm. um, because of the way that the neurochemistry, the, the neurocircuitry in the brain rewires itself when someone's been the victim of trauma and, and that you have a, your, your brain has a propensity to uh, release that adrenaline response kind of all the time. 
and, and thinks and is constantly scanning the environment for, for a threat or danger. And even when you're, you know, just sitting on the couch watching TV and essentially should be fine, you're, you can have a panic attack or you're hypervigilant and looking for things. And it really helps just slow that, those physical symptoms of the anxiety down. But it doesn't, what I don't like about benzos is that they, they inhibit the brain's learning. So you're not able to, the brain's not able to learn that the feared response is not something it needs to be afraid of. Um, when you do benzos combined with therapy, they absolutely serve a, a purpose, and I think that for some people they need them. But over the long term, your your brain can't make those connections. Like, wait, I don't. This is not really something I need to fear. And propranolol does not inhibit that or prevent prevent any of that um, that learning in the brain. What what dose uh, what dose do you, would you typically give, and how many times a day to give it? Because I I I'm just you know, propranolol wasn't something that that yeah. I used uh, in my training. So I, I never use it, but I know it works great. You know, yeah. but I just, you know, I just, I always, so always do you, how much their, do you give? I always check their blood pressure and their heart rate. And if, if everything's kind of relatively within normal limits, um, I usually start with a 20 milligram and I say, you know, take half to one twice a day as needed. You just want to make sure that you're, I teach them how to check a pulse rate. That if, you know, they want to take a second dose, that their pulse rate's greater than 60 beats per minute. And, um, I usually just say, hey, you know what, start with 20 milligrams in the morning, and let's lower that adrenaline for the day. And, um, you know, note, note any dizziness. If you notice dizziness from sitting to standing, that may mean it's lowering your blood pressure, your heart rate too much. I teach them how to check it. Um, but a lot of times just even doing that, that one dose in the morning, a lot of people, specifically with panic disorder, will come back and they'll say, oh, my gosh. I, I just feel I don't – cognitively, it doesn't – you don't feel medicated on propranolol. You just notice, oh my gosh, my body is not freaking out. I'm not panicking all the time. I'm not shaking. I'm not whatever that anxiety symptom is. Um, but yet they're not, you know, some benzos can cause some sedation or some drowsiness, and, and propranolol won't do that. Yeah. But, there, you know, like you asked, I think the initial question was, do I ever add a benzo kind of initially? Absolutely. If they're having multiple panic attacks a day, I, I will give them some. I, I, I tell them, try not to take it every day. If you don't need to, but it is absolutely right. there. A lot of people just yeah, hey, if yeah. they just have just it, you need it. Person, they feel better. Yeah. Absolutely. If you they feel a feel panic better. attack, if you feel a panic attack coming on, uh, they can take a um, half a milligram of clonazepam, and it'll be gone in seven minutes and stay away for right. eight hours. And if they That's if right. they're in a hurry, they can chew it, and it'll work in about two minutes. You know, <laughs> but yeah. but uh, but that gives them relief to at least have one in their yeah. purse you know or in their have- pocket, knowing because sometimes just the fear of having a panic attack will cause a panic attack. Oh, so if they carry a few of those around, then, uh, then, um, the fear of having one will go away once they've, absolutely. uh, ha- had a couple and, and see that they do disappear. And the benzos, one nice thing about the benzos is, uh, um, they work a hundred percent of the time and, uh, and never have a side effect that I've known of other than if you get too high, if you get too low a dose, it doesn't work. If you get the right dose, it works almost almost 100% of the time. But if you get too much, uh, like Grant said, it'll make you groggy. So if they take a half a milligram tablet or something like that for their panic attack and it makes them tired, that means half of a tablet would work without making That's them right. tired. That's right. Yeah. I guess it's possible, too, that some people, Paul, I've taken them for public speaking. Because um, yes. I'll tend to get... A lot of pastors do it before I I know, I know, because, you know, with the tremor, the tremor gets worse. 
especially if I have to hold a mic when you're a little bit nervous, the essential tremor, yeah. postural tremor gets worse. So I've, and I, I feel like they always make me feel, and I'll even take like a half of a half, but it, but it always yeah. makes me feel hungover. That's like the mm. best way I know how to describe it. I just, yeah. but I don't tolerate alcohol very well either. And it's kind yeah. of my understanding that they're kind of, I've heard them described as alcohol and pill form. Is yeah, that a they, true they statement? The, they, yeah, they hit the, they hit the yeah. same receptors. Yeah. If you were, yeah. If somebody was having to detox from alcohol and we're in a, a detox facility, that's, they'd start them on Valium, which is a benzo and, kind of a, a process of, of weaning off of the alcohol. So you're, it's kind of, yeah, your brain, you know, really can't tell the difference. So that's always the thing too. I tell people, it's like, Hey, if I'm going to give you benzene, you can't drink on this. Yeah. Um, you know, Melanie, I think that's one of the things right there. I use it a lot. The propranolol for you, obviously you couldn't tolerate it, but it is yeah. fantastic for performance. Public anxiety. speaking. Yeah. It is, it is yeah. wonderful because you don't feel those cognitive, the hangover effects. You just, you notice your 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 body and your brain don't want to run out like the building's on fire while you're up there. You just kind of, you know, are able to, to tolerate it. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Another um, medicine I really like, if nobody's ever been on a medicine before, I, I typically seem to start with Zoloft a lot um, for, for the SSRI. If, if they've never been on anything, that's typically my go-to. Um, there have been some studies that showed that yeah, is one it's of It's been the, around about 30 years. Yeah, I mean. it's mm. one of the best well-tolerated as far as, you know, the, the most common initial side effect of Zoloft is some initial stomach upset that I kind of warn people, hey, you're probably going to get this. It'll last for about four or five days. It'll be really mild, and then it'll go away. But, you know, it's as far as that's, that's really it, and it's, it's very, you know, tolerated well. And, you know, you, it also, for uh, anxiety, it, it um, blocks the serotonin reuptake, like Dr. Meyer explained earlier. And, um, you know, most, most people just say, hey, I don't worry about things. I don't have the panic attacks like I used to. It just helps block those. And, Again, typically no, no side effects. Some, some of these can cause some sexual side effects. Any of them potentially can, except for a newer one on the market called Trentilix. That one, the way it works neurochemically, it's, it's, um, it, it can't cause sexual side effects. So that is a, a go-to for anybody who's been on some of these medicines and have had problems with libido or, or some of those problems. This is a, that's also a, a fantastic medicine. Um, yeah, and well, well Butrin is another one. That uh, never never causes sexual side effects. It actually uh, improves uh, the enjoyment and other thing, uh-huh. other aspects. Of, but it does it doesn't make you want sex more. I, I tell I tell uh, uh, if if a male tells me he's got <laughs> sexual side effects, I said I would never get a male. I would never give any male anything that gave you more temptations. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. But 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 you can take an antidepressant that won't 
hinder it or that might even yeah. uh, enhance the enjoyment of it, but not yeah. not make it make you want it more. So yeah. yeah. I feel like that's one of the things um, that's kind of like stigma carrying um, because it is a real common side effect. So I think people um, maybe might decide not to try to take something that would make them feel a lot better for anxiety or depression because of that reason. So I feel like it's kind of a stigma carrier. So it's good to hear that there are some that don't have that side effect. And does that side effect usually last the entire time you're on the medication or is it just an initial side effect usually it could be yeah go ahead yeah Yeah. well i said usually if you know not everybody will get that i have um 10 percent maybe right yeah it's not as low it's not as yeah yeah it's not an uncommon side effect but you know it is a definitely possibility if they if you usually get it you've got it like if you know sometimes it's dose related Mm -hmm. but if you have libido issues or if there's any um any other type of, of sexual side effect, it, unfortunately, usually it persists. And sometimes we will add Wellbutrin to Zoloft. They yeah. call that Well-Oft. Oh, interesting. Yeah, lots of times that, that fixes it. Yeah, because Wellbutrin by itself, for some people it helps anxiety, but a lot of people, Wellbutrin alone will make anxiety worse. because it doesn't Yeah, it doesn't touch anxiety, I, I don't think. It just yeah. helps depression. Just depression. So I wouldn't but, uh, give uh, I wouldn't give people Wellbutrin if they had a lot of anxiety and depression. Uh, I'd yeah. give them Wellbutrin for the depression, uh, but but sometimes but but I'd give them uh, um, an anxiety medicine with it. Like Lamictal is probably my favorite medicine in the whole world. It's not addicting. <laughs> it's not addicting. If, if people have uh, if somebody's got a lot of anxiety and, and they and we start them out on a real low dose and build it up slow. And doesn't they, they don't hardly notice any benefits the first couple of weeks, but when they're on it for about a month or six weeks and get it on the right dose, the panic attacks are gone, the irritability's gone, it it decreases physical pain if you got arthritis or anything else. Uh it's just uh it it, it prevents bipolar. Uh it's the best bipolar medicine. And uh and that along with Wellbutrin together are just a dynamite uh combination. Uh but but again, the first two or three weeks you're on it. You don't think you're getting any benefit, so. Yeah. What are some others, Grant? Um, you know, I Zoloft, Prestige, Trentilix mentioned that. Um, love the propranolol. Um, trying to think, of kind of ones I don't use. I don't use Paxil. Um, Never. Age bearing, age. I mean, uh, child bearing women. Um, well, plus Paxil is really hard to get off of. Everybody has. Really bad side effects, and a lot of people gain weight on it, and so I, I haven't used it in 20 years. Cymbalta mm-hmm. um, is a, a, a good medicine for for anxiety, also FDA approved um, in teenagers, um, if I'm not mistaken. On the oh, one one more thing. Let me butt in. Uh, uh, you can tell I love to butt in, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you share things, I think of things that are related to it. To it, one nice thing about the the and antidepressants that serotonin antidepressants and some some antidepressants are SNRIs which is fine too they build up two chemicals but yeah. one nice thing about the antidepressants is whatever dose normally would get rid of depression like for for uh, like Zoloft you mentioned Grant mentioned Zoloft usually takes uh, you know 50 milligrams a day or 100 milligrams a day to get rid of depression usually some people need more but if if somebody has OCD obsessive compulsive disorder where they have to uh, uh, repeat every, you know, check the doors four times a night and, 
and uh, um, do, do everything in twos and they, all sorts of rituals and things. Uh, they need a double dose. If, so somebody with OCD, if I put them on 150 or 200 milligrams of Zoloft, then the OCD will go away almost either totally or it gets a lot better or it doesn't bother them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there's also a um, interesting. There's a, there's been a, some evidence for a for actually for a, for people who just want any type of medicine, but a supplement, um, an amino acid called N-acetylcysteine, and mm. some. Um, See, I've never even heard of it. See, that's what I mean. I know, that's Grant. Do tell. I'm so interested in stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Talk about it. How is, do you spell you know, that? I, yeah, I've never even heard of it. Yeah, it's yeah. N-acetylcysteine is an amino acid, um, or, or they call it NAC. Um, How do you spell it? How do you spell it? In, oh, gosh. So N and then dash acetyl, A-C-E-T-Y-L. Oh, oh yeah. N-acetylcysteine. Yeah. Cysteine. Oh, yeah. Okay. C-Y-S-T-I-N-E. Yeah. You can get it. You know, at your ever vitamin shop, you can also get a pharmaceutical grade um, knack, but those are it's expensive because insurances don't like to cover the, the quote unquote medical foods. Yeah. Um, but but there has been um, some a lot of systemic reviews that show 2,400 to 3,000 milligrams a day in divided doses of this amino acid can significantly improve. Um, intrusive, obsessive thoughts and OCD and, and then compulsions and the need to act on them. Um, cool. So anybody I didn't even know that. OCD, yeah, well, I'll tell them, you know, they've never been on medicine. We'll start them on Zoloft. Uh, I'll tell them about that supplement. And can I tell them, hey, you know, I'm going to keep you on the lowest effective dose, whatever is, I'm not going to, just because we you have OCD and, hey, the thought is you got to go to 150 or 200. If you're feeling great on 100, we're going to keep you on 100. Yeah, yeah. yeah kind sure. of prepare them that, hey, we may now, do you have to, end up on the higher end of the yeah. medicine. Do you prescribe that, uh, that uh, which we call anacetyl, whatever uh, it is? Typically. <laughs> do you, pre- typically, you prescribe it or, or, or can you get it over the counter? I typically say, hey, go check out a vitamin shop or a, a GNC and see if you feel like it's helping. And if it's not, then I'll, I'll get you a, a prescription yeah. for it. Or can they just uh, ride off to Canada and get it really cheap? <laughs> I'm, sure they I'm sure they could. I can uh, have a patient who's getting her Latuda in Canada, so I'm sure you can yeah. you can get it somewhere. But um, I, I think that the same people who make the, the Deplin also make a, a NAC supplement, a Seraphulin okay. NAC. But, um, that's nice to know. Yeah. So it's um, but that's that's one that's a supplement that I will tell people. You know, hey, this is you know, this is not like hey, not that anything's wrong with essential oils, but this is not like hey, rub some lavender on your feet, all your anxiety is going to go away. <laughs> this has some has some um, some research behind it. Some they've done yeah. some clinical studies. Yeah. So uh, I, I do uh, I do recommend that I've got a um, I've got a chapter in my book. I wrote a book called Blue Jeans, G E N E S. And chapter 10 in there uh, is a nutrition chapter, and it tells uh, which foods um, you can eat that will build up uh, tryptophan for serotonin or, or uh, you know, uh, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine, and those things. It will show which foods can build those up uh, to help anxiety or ADD or whatever it is. So that's something you might want to get, people might yeah. want to get. Yeah, it is, it's in that book. Yeah, would you say it was chapter 10? Or twelve. Yeah, I think it's I think it's chapter ten. Okay. You probably know what <laughs> Baron. <laughs> you got your photographing memory over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that N-acetylcysteine is a good supplement for people with OCD to take. Um, I don't I don't know of any evidence. Um, 
you know, of anybody that takes that alone and just has these amazing, you know, OCD benefits to it. It's usually, I, yeah. all my experience with it is in conjunction with an SSRI or an SNRI. Um, yeah. I've never seen a OCD patient yeah. with, well, with well, lifelong, with the genetic kind of OCD yeah, that, that yeah. can get over it without medicine. There's some people that are not OCD their whole life. They're, they don't have it, but then they have a car wreck or some crisis. And they trauma. temporarily have OCD, and they can and, and they can get rid of that even without medication, with counseling. But yeah. uh, medicine would still speed it up, and then they oh, can drop the medicine later when they got the counseling. But the people that are born with it from the time they're little babies, they're lining up their toys and and uh, you know and stuff like that. The ones that are born with it um, uh, have to have medicine um, the rest of their lives, and then and then it won't bother them if they take medicine for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and like Dr. Martin said, lamotrigine is a, is a good medicine, or lamictal, same, same medicine there, um, can be used for um, for anxiety and um, various issues. I, I, I tip to, I'm a little different with Dr. Martin. I tend to not use that one alone. It's usually an adjunct, or, or a, meaning something in conjunction with an antidepressant or, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I usually use it with something. Uh, yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Use it with something, but it's it's a good one. Cymbalta, we were talking about that's a serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor. Very good for anxiety. Um, it also, you know, shown to help with um, like some neuropathic pain. So people who have, you know, fibromyalgia, um, you know, and usually uh, I think you know depression and anxiety are kind of are pretty pretty co-occurring with that. Not everybody with fibromyalgia yeah. is going to have depression or anxiety, but yeah, people with pain. Co- there's there's only there's only two antidepressants. Uh, that are really, really good at getting rid of physical pain, uh, and that's uh, Pristique and uh, Cymbalta. But yeah. I guess uh, I guess um, there's some other one. I guess Effexor could probably help some. Yeah, Fetsema is one of the newer that, ones, too. It's the, um, they, they used a drug called Savella or, or Milnasopram over in Europe for um, the neuropathic pain, kind of like we use Cymbalta. And, and that's what uh, Fetsema is, is Levo. Milnasopran. So Fetsema is also another one of those SNRIs that's supposed to kind of help with you know, fibromyalgia type. I don't think it has that mm-hmm. FDA, obviously FDA approval for that. But see, no, I never knew that. See what I mean? See what I mean, Melanie? <laughs> this guy's a walking encyclopedia. Just, uh, yeah. He really is. I've never heard of it. Half the stuff he's telling us I've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I've been doing this 42 years, you know. <laughs> well, he's hey, what about, he probably went oh, to school. Ahead. You know, no. he's younger than you are, Paul. So uh, yeah, he, he knows oh, well. all the stuff, Fresher, all the new fresher, stuff. Fresher, exactly. Right. Fresher yeah, education. Fresher. <laughs> yeah. Right. What, what about the major tranquilizers? Like uh, the the major tranquilizers, uh, they're, they're called, a, I wish they wouldn't call them that. They yeah, call them no, atypical right. antipsychotics. So everybody... Yeah. You know that you give them, uh, you give them some, you know, Seroquel or some other major tranquilizer, and and it gets rid of their anxiety uh, much, uh, overnight. You know, major tranquilizer. Yeah, within a cup, <laughs> I call them major tranquilizers. But if they take one, uh, uh, it, it can get rid of their anxiety overnight. They can sleep good yeah. for the first time and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But then when they look it up, they come back and say. Yeah. You didn't tell me I was schizophrenic, and I said you're not right. schizophrenic. You know, right. just, we use it for a lot of different things. So, when, when, when do you use uh, when do you use uh, a major tranquilizer? Yes, a major. Yes, so, uh, those the, I will use those. Um, OCD definitely. There's some some indication that um, you know I used to work with eating disorders, and we used to call that line of medicine we would call it brain glue. 
mm. because there's a, you know, I'm not saying people with eating disorders or OCD are delusional per se, but there is a very delusional nature to the illness. This thought of I've got to add this obsessive thought and then I need to do this compulsion. You know, it's, it's on that uh, delusional end, if you will. Yeah. Like, yeah, and they think they're fat. They think yes. they're fat when they're five foot ten and weigh eighty five pounds. You know? Exactly, and so those those medicines, when it's very severe, can be very helpful um, to kind of help just be, bring some of that delusional thought, make make the thoughts much more clear, and and better able to rationalize some of these things. And and so I will use it definitely for that. Um, Seroquel can be good. Um, it works similarly um, in some people with PTSD, like it has some um, alpha antagonist properties, which which just means there there's some medicines that can help with PTSD nightmares, mm. and Seroquel has some some data that it can help with that, and then also help you sleep, which for a lot of people with anxiety, that is absolutely one of the big symptoms of anxiety is, is insomnia or not feeling rested when you wake up, and um, so I will use Seroquel yeah, if, and if people have trouble sleeping. If people have trouble sleeping, there's there's three uh, uh, sleeping pills that are not addicting. Addicting, you know, uh, Sonata is a real mild one that just helps you fall asleep. Linesta is a, a a good one that uh, works about six hours. And and uh, if you got an emergency call in the middle of the night or your kids needed you, you'd be able to wake up and help them out, and then it'd just be easier to get back to sleep. Then there's Ambien that knocks you on your rear end, and and uh, so I don't usually prescribe it unless nothing else works, but 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 I mean yeah, it works fine for nine out of ten people. But then if if none of those work, there's some people that have such severe insomnia that 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 they just can't sleep more than a couple hours a night. And and for any of us, if we go without sleep, it's gonna we're gonna go nuts, you know. And so I'll I'll climb up on Seroquel and start at a low dose to work my way up until there's a dose that works good to help them sleep through the night, relaxes them the next day without making them tired because it usually makes you tired the first few days to take it. Yeah. But it, it works great. It's not addicting, and it works great, and it stops bipolar, it stops anxiety, stops panic attacks. Um, but what what's uh, what's the reason that we don't use those more? I mean, are, are there some long-term effects? Uh, with, the, with the circle? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think long term, you know, usually at the doses we would use Seroquel with, um, at the 25, 50 milligram range, there's not a, you know, some metabolic effects, like it can increase fasting blood sugar, it can increase cholesterol. It can um, make you crave carbohydrates. It can make you crave carbohydrates. <laughs> so it can, it can make you gain weight. But the average yeah. person gains five pounds in a year, so it's not too bad, you know. So. Yeah, not, not, not horrible. Um, for some people, though, it will be significant, but that's a small yeah. percentage. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. If any of you get on a medicine, if any of you get on a medicine, even even some that don't ever do that, if you yeah. get on a medicine from your psychiatrist or your family doctor, and you put on forty pounds in in five months, yeah, you gotta then let them get know. off that one and switch to something <laughs> yeah. else. Don't just keep taking it. You gotta let yeah. them know that's not that's not good for multiple reasons. But but yeah, um, you know, I don't. I, I think probably just the class of medicine that is, Doctor Meyer, just kind of this because it is an atypical antipsychotic and, you know, that's probably why we don't use it as much. It's just kind of, it's like, uh, you know, I use trazodone a lot for sleep. That's also a non, non-habit forming, non-dependency sleep medicine that a lot of people will sleep well on. Yeah, um, some people get tired the next day on it, but yeah. not everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good question. I don't really, I don't know why we don't use it more. I think some people, I, 
have had, I've had more experience with some people with Seroquel that, yeah, I took 25 milligrams and I slept for 15 hours. So maybe there's <laughs> yeah. just a tendency to be like, oh, okay, we don't, we don't want you doing that either. So, but. And you know, if somebody, if, if I saw a new patient in a hospital, which I don't do hospital work anymore, but if, if I, if I saw a new patient that for, you know, for two or three straight months in a row, they're, they're hearing voices that aren't there. Oh. They think they're Jesus and, and, and they're just, you know, psychotic is all get out. You can put them on 600 milligrams a night of Seroquel and, they, and, and, uh, and they'll be zonked for a few days. Yeah. But at the end of about eight days, they wake yeah. up and they're normal. Yeah. It's gone. I mean, it's amazing. It's just like, yeah. you know, like a miracle drug. And, uh, yeah. uh, but we use it in small doses, like Grant said, yeah. like 25 or 50 milligrams to help people with their OCD or with anxiety or with sleep or if they're stuck. If somebody's uh, on an antidepressant and they get they get well, they get a lot better, but not quite good enough. Yeah. Then the, the advertisement on TV, like for a Bilify, for example, they yeah. advertise, "Are you stuck in your depression? Add a Bilify." They're they're actually telling the truth. <laughs> it works. It yeah, does work. Absolutely. You add a tiny little like the normal dose is fifteen or twenty. You add if I add two milligrams to somebody that's uh, like three fourths of the way well from their antidepressant, then then usually within a week or two they're. 100% of the way. Mm. Now, yeah. can Bilify. either of you kind of explain in layman terms why? What does Abilify do that can help another antidepressant work better? Oh. <laughs> it's it's way too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just know what works and doesn't work. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why they work. <laughs> You're right. So there is a lot of, um, that's a good question. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, a, a lot of it is, um, still very theoretical. Okay. Um, and it's kind of, like, well, we think it does this. So we know that that class of medicine is called a, is called a um, dopamine serotonin antagonist mm. is what those really, that class is called. And so the thought is that, that it causes some, some blocking of certain serotonin receptors. Um, and then that causes a kind of a down, you know, a downstream cascade of other effects in the brain and, and all these kind of. So it's complicated. Yes, complicated, but it yeah. basically makes dopamine work better, though. Yes. It, it, in in the long or run, in uh, yes, and in, in yeah, in in dopamine is the pleasure chemical. That's right. So it gives you do, dopamine helps you to enjoy life more, and uh, have more pleasure in life, and uh, uh, and relax more, um, and it helps get rid of paranoia, and uh, and so if somebody's delusional, it makes the delusions go away uh, at the right dose, and some people are born with paranoid personalities where where uh, they may be pretty normal. They're not delusional, but they're real controlling and condescending, and they're always right, and, and you're always wrong. And, and, uh, um, and critical, a lot of them become executives of companies and stuff, you know, because <laughs> some people that are arrogant, other people believe them. You know, <laughs> I'm not sure why they make it to the top, but, but uh, people that have a lot of those traits, it's amazing. Sometimes they're, some of those traits are genetic, and, Sometimes I'll put them on uh, a low dose of, of one of the major tranquilizers, and, and uh, in a matter of a couple of weeks, they're a lot nicer people. Hmm. They're, so, they're, they're a lot less that way. Yeah. Is genetically. There, is there a go-to for access to, you know, or that's, uh, I shouldn't say that on the show because our listeners aren't going to know what that means, but just personality, <laughs> personality disorders, disorders in general. Personality Usually disorders. Not. Is there a go-to you know, medication for personality? I use, Lami- I use Lamictal a good bit. A good bit. Um, okay. Yeah, for, for if I'm suspecting an access to-ish uh, personality disorder type. 
cephalomictal, trileptal, um, net mood stabilizer class. Um, why do you help. think? Why do you think and that? That makes uh, sense. That makes sense. Why, why do you think that helps? Just because they become uh, less irritable or something? I, I think so. I think it's some of it because you know there can definitely be some tr- you know some of it if it's purely personality disorder. Right? Those will be you know. I've tried a thousand medicines and none of them have helped. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's when it gets your radar going, okay, well, you know, and, and yeah. it just, you know, serot- an issue with serotonin just may not be the dysfunction. And then we try yeah. the calcium channel, you know, let's, let's work on this or the sodium channels. Let's, let's work on glutamate. Yeah. Let's work on some different neurochemicals and, and see if there's not a, you know, maybe this is just not, not explaining, maybe it's just not what your brain needs. Yeah. You know, I, I, try, uh, <laughs> I told a patient this week, <laughs> I told a patient this week, I, I told them, uh, I said, you know, because they were feeling great, you know, and they were they felt horrible months ago. And I said, well, you know, my job uh, as a psychiatrist, I sort of see myself as a chef, you know, making trying to make right. really good, really <laughs> good soup or really good cake or something. And so I'm giving you a little bit, after I get to know you for an hour, I, I think, well, he, he, this guy could use a little bit more dopamine and a little bit more serotonin and maybe a touch of norepinephrine and, uh, and sort of like mixing ingredients in a soup. And so I'll give him uh, the the medications that help his brain hang on to the ones that he's low of. And then, like we said before, he becomes his normal self. And the normal self, people are surprised at how nice they can be. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I See, that makes sense to me for um, personality disorders because to me, personality disorders are about um, mood dysregulation. Um, and so there's the, you know, it's kind of your feelings take over your life. That's why they're so right. pervasive. So that yep. makes sense to me. Boy, that's something I feel like you should do a workshop or something on Grant. They should you know, help <laughs> because personality yeah. disorders can be so um, tough for I just went to oh, a workshop, you know, treatment strategies for cluster B personality yeah. disorders. And half of the workshop really was about um, neuropsychiatry and understanding the brain and the dysregulation. So I think right. a lot of... Well, because they will... In, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. They will, inevitably, you, they will inevitably start either start with a psychiatrist, you know, they'll be in therapy, but yep. well, some of them will be. Some you know, of them. Not what, a narcissist, but that's another show. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> or a yeah. sociopath won't, but right. your borderline, your, your histrionics often yep. will be. And, you know, there's a lot of self-harming and things that rightfully so. You'll say, hey, you need to see somebody about medicines because yeah. of safety issues. And, yeah. and, and just there can be so little success at times on our end of... Like, yeah, you know, but some but I, personality I disorders find just don't reply, don't respond to. That's right. Yeah. some do. Go ahead. I didn't mean to butt in. Yeah. yeah, I just find that 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 mood stabilizing category can really help the the lamictal, yeah. trileptal. And uh, the mood stabilizers basically work on GABA. Uh, the, the, there's a chemical that God put a whole bunch of in our brains called gamma aminobutyric acid, GABA, and it puts the brakes on your worries, and so. If our GABA is working right, then it sort of puts the brakes on our worries and helps us to relax more and things like that. You know, one thing that I want you to cover uh, that Grant's really, really, really good at is uh, ADHD meds. Ah, so, uh, yeah, when, let's when talk do people about that. Them, then we'll have and to which ones up. do you recommend yeah. and you should not take them? Because okay. uh, we're down to our last, like, what, 10 minutes 10 or something minutes. like that? Yeah, I'm so interested. Yeah. Let's talk. Do you want That's me to do really that now important. or for a separate yeah. topic? Yeah. No, no, right right now. Now. Oh, yeah. We'll do, a whole, okay. we'll do a whole program on it later. Yep. Okay. Uh, we'll, why, why don't you give them some? 
Yeah. Um, you know, if, if yeah, Vyvanse is probably my, my go-to first line for, for ADHD treatment. Um, it's because it's, it's just a, there's not a true um, uh, peak in, in the medicine or, or um, so you get some people with these short acting Adderalls and Ritalin, they can, they take you up real fast and then they can just drop you off and you get this yeah. crash and, and yeah. just doesn't do that. It's a, um, it's a very smooth medicine that works by um, boosting dopamine and norepinephrine primarily to the frontal lobe, which is where, you know, what we theorize is the, where the dysfunction in ADHD comes from is not enough dopamine and norepinephrine. Mm-hmm right there where the executive functioning of the brain takes place um, or the, or the, you know, starting things yeah. and finishing them and not jumping around and keeping your attention. I take Vyvanse. I take Vyvanse every day uh, yeah. for my ADD. And I, I literally get twice as much done uh, if I take it. Then if I forget to take it some morning, I can still plug away. Highlighting, highlighting that you're not really trying works. to be not highlighting that you're not trying to be Superman by taking Vyvanse is that no. it helps you to get done what, um, if you didn't have ADHD, like what, what a normal, like a, a normal, that's a, not a word, but you know, what, what someone without ADHD would be getting done. That's what yeah. it helps you to get done instead of spending yeah. five hours after the work day in the office trying to get your charts done, right? Like you come yeah, in and right. you, you stay, you stay focused and you don't have the squirrel moments and the distractions yeah. and all that. And, yeah. Um, but by it the lasts about 12 hours. Yeah. That's uh, kind of the goal. You know. And, yeah, so it's so the and, and you can take it with or without food. Exactly. Uh, Adderall, Adderall, and Ritalin work work fine, but they uh, you have to take them without food um, to work really great. And and like Grant said, they uh, they'll start low and, and then build up to a peak and then go back low again, and they're not, yeah. you know. Yeah, it just kind of kind of leaves people feeling crummy. There can be a kind of a stimulant withdrawal effect where people get really crabby. Um, when the medicine starts to wear off, it works great. They work great on most people. Yeah, yeah. But Vyvanse is just—it's a smoother medicine. It lasts. And you know, the hope is—you know—if you're a—if you're a teenager or a or a child, you know, some of these short-acting medicines you have to give them to the school nurse, and you got to take them at school. If, if Vyvanse works yeah. well for somebody, what's great about it is you take it in the morning, and it either it lasts through school or it lasts through your work day. And then, yeah. you know, and if you're really lucky, you come home and you've still got some left for your family. So yeah, it works from eight, eight in the morning, late at night. Yeah. Right. The, the trouble with it is, if somebody doesn't have uh, insurance, it's about three hundred a month. Yeah, it's you know, expensive. It's expensive. Um, but you know, if you do have commercial insurance, they have a good discount savings card that can make it yeah. um, fifteen dollars a month. Yeah. yeah. But but it is. If if you were going to have to pay cash, you know, what I tell people is that there's a, a ton of ADHD medicines on the market, but when you really break them down to their core molecule of what the drug is, it's still just Ritalin and Adderall. And yeah. and what they've done is they've just taken that molecule and they've made it the delivery system a little bit different or, you know, its length of action a little bit different and with some different chemical structures onto it. But when you break it all down, you're we're still we're still Adderall and Ritalin is, is the options that we have. And, and how do they help anxiety? Because that that yeah, surprised me, you know yeah. that that sometimes sometimes they seem to help anxiety, and I'm not sure why. That. I think it's because no. when people are getting stuff done, yes, uh, they they feel less anxious about not getting their work done or something. But I, I'm just same, guessing. Same, what what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. Same reason that um, we start a stimulant on somebody, and so something that would promote wakefulness 
and they get the best night of sleep in their life that night because they don't go to bed thinking, oh, I didn't, there's six things I didn't get done today and I got 10 more to do tomorrow. Let me add that to the list. And people stay up thinking about everything that they did not get done and everything they got to do the next day. And when you start, when you treat ADHD for the first time and you get your stuff done, you go home and you sleep amazing. Um, But that's how it helps anxiety too, is because a lot of, there's a lot of co-occurring anxiety with untreated ADHD because there's this constant, I'm going to get fired. I'm constantly asking for extensions. I can't get my work done. I can't find anything. I've lost my wallet again. I forgot to pay the electric bill. You know, all these things that, yeah. you know, it just causes anxiety. Stress. You, yeah, stress. And so when you finally, when you finally treat it, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it can just be this amazing reduction. And I think with people with ADHD too, there's a lot of um, racing thoughts that kind of the brain's just going so fast yes. sometimes. And these medicines just kind of slow the brain down. You can focus on one thing at a time instead of a thousand. Yes, um, I think a that's a big times, piece of the anxiety yeah. part. I mean, I can attest to that. I know my 17-year-old takes Vyvanse, and the first time, you know, within a week of him taking it, we were in the grocery store, and he had gone from being this very, you know, outgoing kid um, that was always very talkative and well-known to just literally not saying much of anything to anyone. You know, it was just complete personality shift. And we were out one day at the grocery store and we were checking out. And then all of a sudden he just started talking to the person, the the cashier. And Mm -hmm. I turned and looked at him and I was like, there's my son. Like I have not seen that boy in two years. Mm -hmm. And, and he was just talking away. And so I, I asked him about it later. And that was the thing he said that it just wasn't, he was constantly thinking about things um, in social situations, kind of that rumination of thought. Mm -hmm. And so it was just always this, you know, social anxiety. He feels like it really, really helps If he has to do something social, he'll actually take one because he swears that it makes him, you know, feel less anxious out in public. It's interesting. Slows the brain down a little bit, I think, for people with ADHD. I don't think, I don't think if you did, if you had, if you did not have ADHD, I don't think you would get that response. Yes. Yeah. Amp you up, and it would really, you you would be even more anxious. But but the ADHD brain, it just yes, it really seems to have a an effect where it just slows thoughts down and. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, co-occurring, I think, circadian rhythm disorders in people Mm -hmm. with ADHD and Mm -hmm. that, you know, they get this, I'm not alert in the morning. And then, you know, I could be thinking about, man, I can't wait for bedtime. And then something about 7 or 8 p.m. and the brain just activates. Mm. And and it can be, I see a lot of, you know, (laughs) the the way that melatonin is regulated in the brain. (laughs) Mm. You, yeah. you are relating to that? No, yeah, yeah, I'm relating well. to that because, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah. like, I've got really bad ADD. I mean, on my testing, yeah. I score about twice as high as the people that I treat for it, and uh, <laughs> and and I love video games. You know, I I I mean, I don't obsess on them or anything, but I yeah. like to play video games. And if I play it when I get home from work at about you know six o'clock or so, that then I I lose a little bit more than I win more often than I win. But but the but the longer it gets in the evening, you know, if when I'm playing from eleven to twelve, I'll win about two thirds of them. Maybe it's right. because the other people online are drinking. I don't know. But it seems tired. like it seems like what you said yeah. is true. That's why I laughed. It seems like what you said is true. My brain gets better yeah, late at yep. night than it is uh, during the day. Interesting. Be, yeah. 
Wow. So, you know, you look at that with, you know, is there a, is there something with when, when your brain starts secreting melatonin and then when it shuts it off and can there be some dysregulation and, in that process. So sometimes when there's an ADHD and I'm suspecting a circadian rhythm issue too, you know, I'll say, hey, let's try just supplementing with some over-the-counter melatonin. See if you don't start winding down a little bit earlier and see if, you know, that helps you when you, when you wake up, if you don't feel a little bit more refreshed and just some of those things. So mm. it can be helpful. I can see where that would just snowball. I mean, that if you think about that pattern of someone that's never been medicated for ADHD, but they're ADD or ADHD, mm-hmm. they get to 7 o'clock at night, their brain's activated, they stay up all yeah. night, therefore they don't get the sleep they need because right. they have to get up and go to school mm-hmm. or work, and mm-hmm. then it just compounds yeah, this the problem. even worse. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could see where that could just snowball mm-hmm. into a really bad situation, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. If, was there anything else you wanted to, me to talk about with the ADHD medicine, Dr. Meyer? Not not really. Just a overview because, we'll, yeah. like you said, we'll probably do a whole program on it sometime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. shows are always downloaded a bunch, Paul, so we should definitely <laughs> think so many yeah. people um, yeah. have it for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, especially, I mean, the only reason I wanted to, add that uh, to what we were talking about today is because it does help. It's You don't think of a stimulant as being an anti-anxiety medicine. Yep. But sometimes if you have ADD, it can uh, decrease your uh, anxiety because you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're organized, your thoughts are organized, and you get stuff done. And a lot of people go from a C average to an A average. And right. I, had, I had a guy that worked at Starbucks that was getting, he said, I got to get on, on some ADD medicines. I'm getting ready to get fired. And uh, so he got on him, and three months later, this is a true story. Three months later, he he was promoted to manager. That's awesome. <laughs> now that's an wow. unusual story, but yeah. yeah, it's just such a turnaround for him that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if there were a few last words, Grant, that you could say, if you're thinking about our listening family, what what would you say overall about uh, medication and um, and moving forward and how they can affect your life? Yeah, you know, I think for people with, you know, you know, like Dr. Meyer started off, you know, every person that has anxiety or anything like that, that does not mean that they necessarily need medication. And if you're really struggling and you want to start with therapy, that's a great place. That may be all you need. If you are wanting to consider medication, you know, and you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, call Meyer Clinics or, or any, you know, any psychiatrist or mental health specialist and, you know, go to somebody and, and let us talk you through the process. But, you know, the, the biggest things that I get, the fears are, you know, this medicine is going to change who I am and, and this thought that we're, we're providing some synthetic form of, of a neurochemical to their brain that's just going to make them medicated. And, and that is absolutely not the case. And that, you know, when you have, you know, anxiety that affects your life to where we, we'd be diagnosable with the goal is to get you back to your normal self and, and so that you can enjoy um, the, the wonderful things that, you know, as believers that God has, has given on this earth and um, to enjoy your family, enjoy those things that just anxiety can absolutely rob um, us of all the, of the enjoyment of everything God's given us. And, um, and that's what the goal of getting on some medicine sometimes is just to bring that back so that we can you know, not ruminate about, hey, I've prayed about this a thousand times, yet, you know, you just can't let it go. And, and just being able to say, you know what, I've, I've prayed about it, God's got it, and, you know, I'm going to 
I'm going to let let it go, or whatever that situation is. Is that that you know don't go and talk with somebody and, and let them explain how medicine works. It's kind of what I yeah. would encourage. Mm. And, and the Bible says uh, laughter does good for you, uh, like a medicine does. And right. there's times for people to use the medicine, and times not to. And and, right. and I do want to give one encouraging word to everybody in our listening family right now that. Um, uh, like Melanie said, sometimes it takes a couple months or three or four to get in to see a psychiatrist, depending on where you live. Here in Dallas, it's usually a couple months. But um, but if if there's anyone listening to us right now or someone that you love, that if they're having enough anxiety, panic attacks, depression, that they're missing work, you know, that, that, that it's really severe uh, and they're missing work or, or feel suicidal or things like that, uh, call our number, one 888 Seven clinic one eight 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 seven clinic, and uh, and you can come down. Uh, you can no matter where you live. I have we have I had two patients come here from Jerusalem on the same day one time to get treated at our day program. But you can come to our day program and uh, and get in. Like if if you called today and you needed to get in right away, you'd probably get in within two days. And I would do a, a one hour workup, and and Grant uh, would see you every day for medication for uh, three weeks. And so we'd get you started in, in, in the right direction, and you, you could go home and, and be on some great meds that your family doctor could continue until you did get in to see a psychiatrist back where you live. Yes, good point. Yeah, that's some good advice. And then that, that also makes me think of uh, just another last point is if you believe you're suffering with anxiety or depression or have ADD or ADHD or anything, you feel like you're you're not mentally as well as you could be, don't wait until the last minute because oftentimes it is so difficult to get in for you to see a psychiatrist. So don't wait until that depression turns into a complete, you know, can't get out of bed in the morning. So when you start recognizing that you're just not feeling like yourself, and that was something I used to say to my clients a lot was, or when I would hear someone say, I don't feel like myself, then I would start thinking about, well, this might, you know, be something that we need to think about medication for. So the kind of little terms or keywords that I would listen to as a clinician. So that's just my advice. Don't wait until things get so bad. If you're having panic attacks, go take care of it right away. If you've had more yeah. than two, go take care of it because that can completely get out of hand. That can start the pathway to depression later on. Um, so just if you feel like there's something wrong, uh, don't wait till it gets so bad that you thinking that you can overcome it yourself, that you really get yourself in a bad situation because then it's going to take that much longer to pull you out of it. That's kind of my thought with, with not being able to get in as quickly as you'd like. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for coming on the show today. And boy, Meyer Clinics is lucky to have a team like you two. And um, I can't wait to have you on again, Grant, and and dig deeper into some of these topics. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Talking about, yeah, I'd like to have him come back and talk about antidepressants and, and some of the other types of medication situations that we get into. Yeah, that yeah, would, would be love great. It. Appreciate the opportunity, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys again, and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Mental Health News Radio.
out good intentions I heat up and act on my emotions Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.